0: this will make sense soon you're just so hungry part two Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone. You Are Not Alone is a 1v1 horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG-loving friend. If you're a fan of the podcast, I have a Patreon over at patreon.com slash Blaine C. Martin. There are a number of costs associated with running a podcast, and any support, even a dollar a month, goes a long way towards covering those costs. If you aren't in a position to help out financially, that is certainly understandable. Rating and reviewing the show on any podcatcher that allows it helps us find new listeners. If you recommend us to your game-loving friends, it would mean the world to me. As many of you know, we are in the midst of This Will Make Sense Soon, an ongoing series that is leading up to an extended game of the Yellow King RPG. We've been playing a few different games, building out a world inspired by the weird horrors of Robert W. Chambers. We started with a game of Trophy featuring Rev from The Crit Show, and followed that up with a game of The Quiet Year with Chris Sumsky who will be playing The King in Yellow with me when we arrive at that point. Last week, we started playing Fear Itself with Sean, an old friend and the very first guest on You Are Not Alone. We met William James Waugh, a down-on-his-luck Parisian inventor who created a gun capable of shooting a fine mist of mercury, turning any service into a superconductor. At a large fair celebrating the opening of the Eiffel Tower, his Quicksilver applicator was stolen. William was convinced that it was stolen by either a strange American businessman or a missing janitor. In the following months, at great personal cost, Wa searched for either man, but could find no sign either of them even existed. One night, he had a strange dream of a newspaper boy being shot with his Quicksilver applicator and went out in the middle of the night to find the alleyway he had visited years
1: earlier. And then at one point, as you are maybe a block or two from the alley that the cantina is in, you hear a voice cut through the static that says... It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And then the static's gone, and it's just that hum of electric light bulbs again. Does this seem like the premonitions prior to this, that where I could hear something or possibly smell something, like a one sensory kind of thing, is it relative to that, that it, that's experienced in my past? It feels like it could be. This is odd most of your premonitions happen in like this, so like very specific burst where you feel yourself kind of pulled out of your body, and this wasn't accompanied by that sensation necessarily. It's different. It's not the same, but it does have I mean, some of the feel of your premonitions. Okay. Mm. All right. So yeah. now you're standing at the foot of the alley, mm-hmm. and you know down that alley. Is the cantina, mm-hmm. and down that alley is the newspaper boy. You think and this is where it happened? Oh well, do I see? Do I see anybody down this alley? I want to. You look down, down and, and it is see. the alley is completely dark. There's a little bit of light at kind of the entry of the alley, cast by streetlights. Okay. But further down, it is it is so late that the cantina is closed. You do not see there is a. A kind of light up sign that they have while they are open, mm-hmm. and that sign is not lit. It's just like the light bulb is on, and we're we're open. If the light bulb's off, then yep, and we're closed. And so it makes it so that more than three or four feet into this alley is entirely dark. I think I want to use one of my general skills, okay. um, preparedness, and take a one point of preparedness out to say that I have brought a lantern along with me in the night. All right, uh, that is fair. So you mark off one uh, one preparedness. And you have the lantern. You grabbed it, kind of just... You knew that most of the way would be lit, but you weren't sure what you would find when you got there. So you grabbed that lantern mm-hmm. subconsciously. Okay, so I'm shining my lantern down into the alley and walking down. All right, is this... An oil lantern, or do you have like a, a fancy like electric lantern? I don't think it's really a fancy lantern. It's just kind of you know we don't really have money for, for stuff like that, so it's just an old fashioned. Okay, even yeah, maybe even it's like, a candle, maybe even a candle lantern. Yeah, I think it's be. more. I am. That's what I am more. I am imagining it's like a candle lantern.
0: Okay, perfect. So it is shining. It's a
1: little bit of candle light. Yeah, it's not a whole pile of light, and it creates these kind of. You are on edge. You. you Think you know what you're going to find when you move down this alleyway. And the way that the candle flame flickers creates these strange shadows off on kind of the periphery of the light that it casts. And you slowly move down the alleyway. And you pass by the door to the cantina. And you keep moving further and further And further down the alleyway. And there's this moment where you kind of take a deep breath. Because you've gone so far down this alleyway and you haven't found anything yet. And so maybe that was just a really bad dream. And moments after that thought flits through your mind. Just on the edge of the light of the candle. You see something. Silvery. And as you take a step closer, you see the newspaper boy. His hands are out in front of him like he's trying to ward something off. And when you replayed this memory in your mind over and over again, his the horror on his face got more and more grotesque each time you replayed it. Even the worst it got is not enough to prepare you for the way his mouth is shaped. The scream that he wanted to issue forth, but wasn't able to. His eyes are almost perfectly preserved, and they are wide and terrified. And this poor boy, maybe 14, 15 years old, looks so scared. And his frozen solid, reflecting your face back in those awful features. What do you do? I, I look around. I want to see if I'm alone or not. All right. So would this be a good time to use my sense trouble or? Yeah. Yeah, give me um I'm gonna say this is gonna be a pretty average difficulty, not super hard, not super easy. Okay. Um so you can decide how many, if any, points you want to spend on it. Alright, I think I want to use two. Alright. Uh so you spend two points, so you'll get to roll that D6 and add a two to it. And you know the difficulty, but I don't. Yeah, I'm okay. Gonna, I will give you like a general Right. Yep. Feeling about it. But I don't get a specific number. Yeah, I, I don't get a I feel like giving you a difficulty. specific number. Yep. Okay, Ooh. so I rolled a six, so that would be an eight. Alright. You you know you're alone. Well alone adjacent. There is underneath the quicksilver a dead fourteen year old boy in the alley with you. But the <laughs> that's the only thing in the alley with you but you using your your kind of ability to think through how trouble would approach and how trouble would leave you see a pile of boxes that weren't there in your premonition but are there now, and it looks like you could probably get behind them to hide. Like that is a good spot if you wanted to say ambush a teen boy who was walking to his girlfriend's house down this alleyway. Okay, I think I want to investigate the statue as well. Okay, Let's see, uh, and I think I am going to use my science for that. All right. And really see if see if this is dried. Like what in what state is the Quicksilver? Yeah. You know, like about how long ago this must have happened timing wise. Yeah. And then to if, if, if this person is yeah. So I, anyway, I want to use science to do that. Okay. Yeah, so you there's a couple pieces of information you get by examining. First off, you think that Based on time and everything, you think that this probably happened maybe about 30 minutes after you saw it happen in your dreams. What you also realize when you're investigating this is that whoever has your applicator has made some changes so that the mercury dries faster. And it wasn't necessarily, you said it didn't take a terribly long time, but like, if it took 15 minutes before for a thin coat, now it takes, you think, probably about five minutes for a fairly thick, a thick enough coat to, you know, cover a human being. You also realize that this, this kind of death must be awful. Because it's a mix of both suffocation and drowning. The liquid mercury gets into your mouth and goes down into your lungs and you slowly drown. But also it covers your mouth and your nose so you can't breathe. You cannot even fathom how terrible of a death this must have been. I I think I want to ask is this person completely 360 degrees covered with this because if you were to like have one angle like a forward angle there wouldn't be anything towards the back like has this person taken the time to put it you know coat everywhere yes so you think that this probably... You have gone down some shady paths in your life at this point, so for a moment you kind of try to think like a killer, and really all you would need to do is shoot someone in the face with this gun. Right. That would do the killing. Whoever did this, very intentionally, probably started with the face to start the killing, but then took the time to cover every inch. Including, you realize this is quite strange but reveals a bit of the intentionality probably at some point laid the boy down because as you're investigating even the soles of his feet are covered like he laid him down and, and sprayed the soles of his feet and then stood him back up to be a statue of horror for all the world to look upon well, it was going to be one of the questions that I asked is, is he fastened by it? You know, that it, it sprayed down even onto the thing. But from what you're telling me, he's movable. Yes, so, he is movable. Okay. Well, I think that the sun is close to rising or getting, getting there. Yeah, we'll it's say it's be probably about soon. four in the morning. So you've got another maybe an hour before the sky starts to brighten. Maybe another hour and a half to two hours before the sun is up. I, I feel like I probably need to hide this in some way because it would probably it makes me look very bad if someone yeah. were to figure this out the science of this, which maybe isn't a very common knowledge, honestly. But if it were to happen, I am going to be the one that's it's, that it's going to come back on. Yeah, I mean, you did set up at yes the inaugural F- Eiffel Tower Fair telling the world about this technology that you have invented. Yes. So, I need to find a way to be able to, to get rid of this. I think what the, this alley is, this kind of a dead-end alley down here to Yeah, Kansas, It's a, you know, like a, it's a just thorough fair alleyway, so a little bit further down it opens up onto another street. Okay. I think that also with my with my science and, and investigative skills do i know if like what does this have the ability to break can this be broken like and how 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 easy do i think that it would be broken if that's even a possibility it's for, like it's not solid metal you know that there is a a fleshy body underneath all of this. You think it could probably be broken, but it's created a pretty it's a fairly thick layer of the of the mercury. It's created a pretty solid shell. Mm-hmm. So while it could be broken, it would be pretty tough to break. I think that I want to obtain some kind of canvas. Okay. So like a like a large canvas like sheet or something. I think that I probably have that at my lab. Okay. Of some kind get that and i want to haul the statue over to where the boxes are and kind of like cover it with that canvas and then kind of put the boxes there to try to just at least keep eyes off of it so it just looks like there's a pile of canvas over there with some boxes all right You wrap it up and i don't know if there's anything else down this alley to be able to do that or to put things on top of it or whatever but i'll try to yes. make it look as uh, yeah you can yeah, as, like, there's a bunch of trash over there. Don't look at that. All right. So. You do so. Okay. All right, wow. Well, um, I... Th- okay. I think that after that's done, and it's almost gone, I imagine myself, like, going back to my lab and just trying to think on this. Okay. And maybe even lean into these premonitions that I've had to try to figure out who not necessarily who did this, but where they will be. I want to try to figure out if I can tap into that like kind of the opposite way almost. Or Okay. I feel like my premonition was I was like I was channeling through him so maybe I can maybe I can force that to happen because these things kind of happen to me. Maybe I can kind of force that back. So maybe using my premonition points to be able to try to do that. Yeah. Yeah. we so can do that. I think I have to ask a certain question. Yes. So I think I want to use my premonitions to just lean into where is the person that is doing this going to be tonight? I think I want to try to, use my premonition skill all right, to yeah. kind of like reverse engineer these things that have kind of been happening to me, like really consciously lean into them to, to do what I want. Yes, that makes so, sense. So how many points are you going to spend? I th- This is important, obviously. <laughs> uh, so I think I'm going to use a pile of points. Um, I think I don't want to fail. I'm assuming the difficulty is going to be hard. Yes. Pretty hard. So I think I'm going to blow seven, eight eight points. Eight points? Eight points of my 10 that I have. So I get a plus eight to my roll. Yep. And the difficulty is going to be high. Yes. I I don't know if there's anything in the book that gives me a a numbers range of like what a general high difficulty is, but. I mean, a high difficulty is like seven or eight plus so I'm in the ballpark. Yeah. Okay. That's as I'm in the ballpark. Okay. So I rolled a two. So that gives me a ten. All right. So you sit in your lab and you just focus. You stare off into the distance and focus and think, where is the killer going to be tonight? Where is the killer going to be tonight? Where is the killer going to be tonight? And, and you don't see this, but the camera does. Your eyes roll back into your head. You're still just the pure white of the back of your eye is staring forward. And then you're in that same body you were in last night. You are no longer William James Waugh. You are someone someone who is still very hungry and you're sitting in a studio it looks almost like your lab there's a small building rent- small room in a small building rented somewhere and there are desks and surfaces covered in supplies but instead of various implements of science it's tubes of paint it is pigments waiting to become paint it is slabs of stone it's canvases it's brushes it's chisels and hammers And you see various canvases lined about hanging from the walls. And they're paintings of people's faces locked in horror. Some are screaming, some are weeping, some are pleading. And you know, because you're no longer William James Waugh, That none of these are quite right. You tried your best, but you just couldn't capture exactly what you wanted to capture. You tried your best and it just didn't work. And you know that now you've found the way. To capture the truest expression of human horror. And you're still so fucking hungry. So you put on your jacket. And you go out into the night. And you go back to the place that made everything right the Eiffel Tower. And it's dark. And you see up above that single light at the top of the Eiffel Tower burning. And you see a woman. And she's alone. And you're so hungry. And then you're back in the body of William James Waugh. And you're staring at a point of the wall directly in front of you in your lab. I think I immediately grab some kind of drink and pour it for myself, and like start to take a, a a big gulp of some kind of whiskey or something like that, and just calm my nerves down because I was crazy. Do I know what time of day my premonition was? Was it night? Was it, was, it day? It was late at night. It was night. Okay. It was dark. And you're as you're taking a sip of whiskey to calm your nerves. You realize that you're hungry. I think that... I think I'm going to go for a walk. Okay. I'm going to go for a walk and and just try to... It's probably about 7 in the morning now. about what is going to happen. I've got, like, in, in my mind, all day to stew on this till tonight. Yeah. So, I think I'm going to try to get something to eat and maybe... Try to find the place for my premonition. And scope that out. Alright. So you head to the Eiffel Tower. There are a few street carts set up selling food. There are many people visiting. Even this early in the morning. It's just such a beautiful triumph of the human will. And you find it's, you know, in the kind of center of the open space at the base of the tower that you think that is where you saw the woman who will be here tonight. Right. So I reframe reframe it and know that oh this is this is it. Yes. Okay. So uh, maybe this is a spot to use kind of the investigative skills to try to, you know, kind of see what's what's going on. Sure. What do you want to do? I think that I want to use flattery actually, and talk to the the food cart vendors around the area and just kind of like, you know, kind of talk to them about their, their food, how well it is, and just kind of talk that up and try to even talk about, you know, what's going on around here and if they've seen other people, how many other people are coming through, and just kind of roll that into information a little bit. Okay. With compliments and that kind of stuff. All right. So you go up to a, a food cart vendor who's selling... Bread and cheese. And you begin to just chat. Make small talk. Um, And he tells you that probably thousands of people a day come through this area. People want to come see the great Eiffel Tower. Um, And he tells you that a lot of artists come here too and will spend the day. Some paint the people coming by. Some paint the tower itself. There are sketch artists. There are some that Offer to draw pictures of people with the Eiffel Tower in the background for money. Mm-hmm. But it's become a pretty common spot for artists to visit. I'll ask him, because I don't see any of that around now at like 7 in the morning. No, it's probably that kind of traffic comes soon, but not not quite this early. Yeah, it's it's... A lot of the people here are... It's morning, it's not... Hardest morning time yet. Yeah. It's uh, like a lot of the people he tells you that come here around this time of day are Parisians who want to have like a nice place to have breakfast. So they'll get some food. They'll sit on a bench. They'll eat their breakfast before they have to go about their day. Right. I think that I want to try to pur- procure some things to be able to deal with this person when I find. So, all right. I need what, to be able what are you to, thinking? I don't know yet. I'm trying to think. It would probably have to be. I don't think it really be a firearm. We're in Europe, so like I don't, that's not really like a thing. If it would be, it'd have to be like really sh- like shady to be able to get it. Yeah, I don't know. Like late 19th century, if they were more commonly available, they might probably slightly, at least slightly more commonly available than present day Europe. Right. I don't think I have the money to just go buy a, a firearm. As well. That is probably more of a legitimate um, hurdle between yeah. you and having a firearm. Right. So, I think that the only way that I'm going to be able to disable this person is with some kind of sharp implement of some kind. You could also. That. you wanted a firearm, there is always the cantina. Yes. I could go deeper into... Moral and financial debt. It's an option. It is an option. I think that... I want to... Purchase some kind of like... Dirk or something to that effect. Like a very... A concealable... Weapon of some kind. And like... Try to... Get in... Something... A good strike before... Anything can happen. Alright. You can probably find... A store that sells... Or even disable them enough to be able to get get my device back. Yeah. So you uh, you find a store that sells something that I want to go do if if we don't have to play that, if you don't want to. So you go there, you find the dirt you want. What does it look like? What is what's on the handle? Is it just a basic handle? Does it have an engraving? I I try to find something that's that's dull. But I just can't that's not what's in what's in now is bright and shiny and and very reflective. so I try to find one that is the the least amount and maybe the like the hilt is kind of or a handle is a little co- covered in leather but there's still like a, a small round circular part at the end that just has that very gleaming reflective surface that I try to tarnish up but it just it's still there yeah. And the, the blade is a little duller, but you know it still has a little bit of a luster to it as well. All right. So you hand uh, a few coins to the to the owner of the shop, and as you are turning to leave, you hear that static again, and you kind of turn back and you look at the owner of the shop, and his mouth has fallen slack. The muscles of his face have just given up, and his mouth hangs open, and you realize that that's where the static is coming from. Did you hear that voice again that says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God? I want you to make a stability. So, making a stability roll, I just roll my d6. Do so I have a... Yeah, I just mean... say something I, I could use stability points in. I think You for, could. I mean, you're going to... Like, if you fail, you're going to lose stability points. So, it's kind of six of one, half dozen or okay. another. I don't, I don't think I'm going to spend any points. I'm just going to make my roll in. All right. I rolled a four. All right. So, you, for a moment, feel your knees kind of start to buckle as you look. At this man's wide, gaping mouth into the darkness of the back of his throat. His tongue is just kind of hanging slack in his mouth. And that static is issuing forth. And for a moment, you want to just kind of fold in on yourself and cry. But you manage to shake that feeling away. What do you do? I feel like this was in the middle of our transaction, and I think I just want to get out. So I just want to—I'll—I will grab the francs that I've given him that were on the table to like take them back. Okay. Take the take the knife and just just get out. I need to get out. He stands there and does not respond. His arms are kind of limp at his side, and that voice comes out again. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And it just starts repeating that over. So if I see if he doesn't okay. so if I see if he doesn't move or anything, I think I want to try to respond, like really try to have a dialogue with this. Who who or what are you? It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I think I just stand silent for a bit. And I get out. I, I, I don't think I can handle this anymore. It seems like everything I touch, someone is, is losing parts of themselves. I think I want to get get away from that. All right. You piece the fuck out. You run. You leave. You have your Franks in. So you have run from the store. That voice echoing out behind you. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Over and over again. And then the door shuts. You're back in the streets of Paris. What do you do? I I think I run out of of the shop and I I just... I'm going with my head down for a minute and I come up out of the street and across and I look up and I see the large Gothic spires of St. Barnaby's, the, the Catholic church. And I like all this with the hands of the living God. I, I, I realize there's, I might, there's something that really bad that could happen. And I, I think I need to, I need to confess some things that I've done and also things that I could possibly do. I think that's the only thing I can think of is is go to this. I haven't been to church for a long time since I was a boy. And it almost like comes back to me in that moment. And it's like, Oh yes, maybe I can speak with a priest. So I I go inside and I I open the, the doors of the, the church and I remember the old confessional booths that are over there and I think I try to remember what the rituals were, the crossing, and I walk over to the confessional and I guess some you know, old lady kind of walks out of the confessional booth and by me and I um, go in and just sit down and put my head in my hands. And try to remember how this went. There is in the background this almost ominous organ music playing. Almost like the organist has a vendetta against you. You don't know why you feel that way, but you do. And then There's the sound of sliding as the confessional window opens. And you hear a voice.
2: Are you here to confess your sins to Almighty God, my son? Or looking for mere respite?
1: I'm I'm here to confess.
2: Then you begin by saying... Bless me, for I have sinned.
1: Yes, it's, it's been a while, Father. Forgive me. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned.
2: The Lord be in your heart and upon your lips that you may truly and humbly confess your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What do you confess, sweet child of God?
1: I don't know if I've sinned yet, maybe just in my mind. I think I might have to take the life of another.
2: You speak as though the deed has been done already, as if you have no
1: freedom to choose
2: to do such an act. Could your heart be so dark?
1: It wouldn't be the worst thing that I've done. Unfortunately, I must confess something else.
2: I sense that you carry a burden, and this is where you may turn to our Lord Jesus Christ, so that he may carry it for you.
1: It is comforting to hear, but I fear that there can be no absolution for the things that I've done. I've taken, I've taken young women. I've sold them a bill of goods that is not proper. Gave them money, lured them, placed them on a ship because. I needed something, and I sold their lives, I knew where they were going, and I made that fate for them, but if not, my family would go hungry, that's how I justified it to myself at the time, but Now that I look back, I see what a monster I was.
2: Hear the word of God to all who truly turn to him. Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son to the end that all who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this is a true saying and worthy of all men to be received that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You, your wretchedness and despicable nature is not unknown to God. And yet, He loves you and desires your goodness and freedom if you simply but confess that you did these terrible acts and you did them with full knowledge. That they were indeed despicable and evil and part of your wretched nature. And if you truly turn to him, prepared to amend your life, absolution is yours to receive. It is a fearful thing to fall
1: into the hands of the living God. What what, what did you, what did you just say?
2: It is indeed. A fearful thing
1: to fall to the hands of the living God. I think I just, I freak out and I just, I, I just run out. As you flee in terror from the confessional, the music grows louder and you are convinced that the organist wants you dead. You look to the left and you see the pews leading up to the altar, and you see the organist playing this loud, awful music. And for the briefest of moments, you think that it might be Henri Benoit. Playing the organ in that shabby black suit. I want to turn and look. When you turn and finally put your full attention, it's almost funny. Because the organist doesn't look anything like Henri Benoit. He's short. He's a little heavy. His head is shaved, his face is clean-shaven. But you still think that he wants you dead, because this music is an affront to you. I think I turn, and I turn tail, and I walk out. And I feel like I have no more safe places. I feel like, since I've opened myself up to these premonitions, that my mind has been tainted. And so, I feel like I need to get to somewhere where I can't hurt anyone. Alright, where do you go? I think that I go back to my studio so you you walk out and you're thinking maybe I'll go back to my lab I need to go somewhere where not only am I safe but the world is safe from me and you throw open the doors and it's dusk it's not full dark but you went it was probably 8am 9am tops right when you went in to the church of St. Barnaby and now it is probably 6 PM. Wow. Okay. So now I'm really, how long have I been in here? Has this actually happened? And now I'm thinking I'm, I'm probably pretty close to, to needing to be where I need to be, or, or at least I have to be around the general area. I was hoping to try to maybe intercept before this could actually happen. So I, I feel like I need to rush to the area where I saw my premonition to see if I can see if there's any artists about and and see what I can see. You uh, you rushed back to the Eiffel Tower and it is now kind of the dinner crowd. You don't see... Any artists around anymore? It's getting relatively dark. The light is gone. They have returned home. Okay. you see couples sitting about sharing dinner? I think I'm a little angry at that I've missed kind of my opportunity here. So I really wanted to kind of stake this out and like these hours that I've lost in whatever trance or whatever just happened to me. I almost feel like I have some kind of reaction to that that's almost attention-getting, you know what I mean? Like, that there's some kind of, like, loud expression, you know, just something, uh, just even crying out, like, God damn it! And it creates, like, a little bit of a ruckus around. Yeah, you see a bunch of people kind of all turn and look at you. As you're just screaming out and yelling and you're now kind of noticing that feeling of all of these eyes on you, Mm -hmm. you look around and you see one of the only people in the area not looking at you, just sitting there eating, is the organist from St. Barnaby's. He's just, he's got some
0: fruit some buttered bread, maybe a little bit of chicken.
1: Mm. He's just enjoying his meal sitting near the foot of the Eiffel Tower. I think I'm in a I think I'm in a a bit of a angry rage here. And I think that I'm emboldened enough to is is he sitting alone at a table? Sitting sitting at a table with his food kind of spread in front of him. I think I walk over and I pull up the chair across from him and sit down. He looks up and he, when he looks at you, there is no recognition in his eyes. And he says, but, hello, what sir? did you do to me? What I, is going on? I do not think that I know you, sir. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just I'm you, you do. You were just at St. Barnaby's. It is true that I work at St. Barnaby's. I left there Yes, three minutes hours ago. ago. Yes, minutes No, not okay. three hours ago. No, I went home. I, I washed a bit. I packed my dinner. I came here. I often would normally be at St. Barnaby's this late playing the Vespers service, but we have uh, we just hired a new organist, and they have they have taken that over for me. So I have my evenings free to come here and dine. I swear, I swear to you, I have. I, it has been hours since I've been there. Of course, the demon would swear to me. I do not know who you are referring to as a demon. I think so I um I, I get up and I move to the chair that's beside him instead of across from him okay and i pull out my dirk and kind of hold it up to his thigh under the table and i say sir then quiet yourself and tell me where he is the one who has my invention where is he You're part of this, I know you are. Where is he? I I swear to you, sir. I have no idea what you're talking about. This is the first I've ever seen you. Where does he live? Who? The man who has my invention. I know that you're working together.
0: I do not know what your invention is. Or who
1: has it. I swear. Give me a name or I will put this deep... In your leg, sir. I do not, I, I do not have a name for you. I don't, I have no idea who you are. And I think that, that sparks me a little bit out of this thing that I've jumped into. And I actually believe him. And I'm like, a little embarrassed. And is this awkward silence? And then you just, and I think I just—I come back, kind of come back, and realize, oh, I have to figure this out. And I say, not a word. Oh, why yourself? He's got like tears starting to like come out of the corners of his eyes, and I I just—I run. I think I just run. <laughs> I just start running. Well and by, I mean like I don't run. I I get up, I fast walk out, and then I start to start to bolt. Alright. You bolt in kind of a, a, a power walk away, and he begins to pack up his dinner and uh it looks like he's probably gonna head home. Yeah, I don't think I'm I'm even like looking back at him to see what he's doing, and I'm just gonna try to slip inside some kind of Shop or something. Okay. And just try to gain refuge and try to go over in my mind what just happened. All right. You find a shop that is still open and you gotta go inside and you take a couple deep breaths. There are a few patrons inside. There are a few uh, a few folks in the haberdashery perusing hats. It looks like uh, the owner is probably helping one of them find the most stylish hat for them. But all eyes kind of turn to you when the bell above the door jingles. I think I just try to meander around and all right. And then you I uh, try to calm down a little bit and put it that yeah. Way, so give me a, an infiltration roll. It's going to be like moderate difficulty. Okay, I'm going to spend uh, three points on this one. Okay, this is to kind of you know keep your head on and make sure that you don't draw extra attention to yourself. Okay so I rolled a four, so that gives me a seven. Alright. You are, I mean, your mind is reeling, but you manage to kind of take a couple deep breaths, and after the initial kind of you running in there very quickly, find yourself kind of calmed, and you're just perusing the haberdashery. I think I just want to try to be that very casual and Move in and out of that, those kind of things, a shopping district until I think it's getting closer to the time where this premonition is going to happen. All right. You, uh, well, I think too, maybe I want to like buy some things here to be able to like help change my appearance somewhat because right. I've been pretty noticeable. So maybe a hat from the haberdashery and right. a shirt from the mm-hmm. Closier. Yes. All right, so yeah, you get some new clothes, and like I imagine, kind of every time you buy something, you like disappear into an alley and come out looking a little bit different until you look
0: fairly unrecognizable to.
1: Yeah, I guess I, what I'm thinking is like I'm just slowly replacing like each like articles of clothing and hats and whatever else, and adding yeah. on and just yeah.
0: So now you are a, you are a new man in a new
1: suit. <laughs> And it is getting close. It's probably 9 p.m. by the time most of the stores have closed. It's 9 p.m. You've gotten everything you need. And I mean, you don't know what time. You know it was night when your premonition took place. So I think I'm going to go to the area where I know that is and reset up shop to just kind of observe this area. And I don't know if I can use any of my general skills for that. I would say you could probably use infiltration again if you're trying to be unnoticed to, like, just kind of chill. Yeah, I'll do that again, and I'll, I'll spend my last two points in infiltration. All right. I rolled a five, so that gives me a seven. All right. You are – I mean, are you trying to hide, or are you trying to hide I'm in plain sight? I'm trying to be inconspicuous. Okay. Yeah. So, you're sitting on a bench. You have a newspaper. You're perusing it. You look like just the average Parisian. I have a feeling that this area is like fairly well lit. So you could be reading a newspaper at night and it doesn't look Mm -hmm. shady. There are some electric lights about the courtyard. Right. And you are sitting there reading your newspaper. And you're reading about all of these amazing plans they have to improve the Eiffel Tower. They want to light the stairwell so that people could come here at night and climb up and look over the beauties of Paris even when it is dark and you are reading about how they are planning on landscaping around and making this area kind of even more beautiful and verdant and they're going to add more benches and more tables and then you hear a noise to your your left and you look and the woman from your premonition Walking towards your bench. And she sits down. Next to you. Not like she has any intent of like actually speaking to you. It looks like she just wanted a seat. And you are kind of so unobtrusive that she just decided to sit next to you on the bench. I think that I want to kind of use my investigation skills here. All right to try to see what I can understand from her. So I'm going to go to the, ooh, we haven't used this one. How about flirting? Not intimidation? Nope. Or interrogation? Nope. Not interrogation. We're going to just use maybe flattery and flirting. Okay. Uh, what do you say to her? I think I say, you know, small talk kind of, uh, it's a nice evening. It's beautiful in this light, don't you think? She turns and she smiles and she says, Yes, it is. It's so impressive. I come here almost every evening to just look upon what we have done as a nation. I agree. The view is stunning, and I'm looking directly at her. She kind of smiles and blushes a little bit. She picks up what you're putting down. So, are you from here? Are you visiting? I just try to like get some information out of her. So okay, really yeah, uh, she's like, I'm I'm from Paris. When you got married, did you guys exchange wedding rings? Oh yeah, I definitely have a wedding ring. On. What is it? What does your wedding ring look like? It's a very simple, simple band, um, simple gold band. Was very poor when we got married. Didn't have money for much else. I think it might be even like a family thing. Okay. You guys talk back and forth a little bit. You find out she's from Paris. She uh, she works at an office building, and at one point she she sm- you make you compliment her. What do you compliment about her? I, I think I turn the conversation towards like you know someone should paint you like really do this like kind of artist thing like to kind of just put the. Conversation that way to see if she knows or has any connection to this person that I'm hunting. Okay. She smiles. She says, oh, I'm just, I don't think I would want to model or anything like that. I'm, I'm content. And she kind of smiles. She says, I notice you're not wearing a wedding ring. I, I look down. No, it, it doesn't look like I am. It seems like such a charming gentleman would have long been scooped up by some fair maiden. I think I want to use investigative skill skills to kind of look around. Okay. Now and like just kind of see what's going on. I don't know if there's a role for that or anything. I guess maybe sense trouble. That's kind of what oh, I'm that's a, at. Yeah, if you want to do that general. Yeah, so just see like and Am I? do I think that I'm cutting into the time of the premonition okay. like where I'm changing things yeah she's not at the place where she's supposed to be give me uh give me a roll for for sense, sort of how many for sense trouble
0: yeah I'm gonna say this is
1: like medium high difficulty okay I think I am going to use three points in sense trouble all right okay roll a five so that gives me an eight you're rolling good You think that it is approaching the time of your premonition, but then something startles you, which is the newspaper you're reading says September 3rd, 1889, and it all floods back. Your continued search... For these people, Henri Benoit, the janitor Gustave, your attempts to complete the new prototype. And the night, maybe six weeks ago, when Sherry took Cora and left, so ostracized by your obsession. With these people in your science. And you. The last date you remember it being was June 26th. And now it's September 3rd. And your wife and child have left. And you're sitting on this park bench next to a woman. You have seen die. I look around me. Have the things that I have on me changed? Like. Still everything that I yep. had. It before. is like that trip to the haberdashery was mere moments ago. Or more specifically like two hours ago. Um can I use my premonitions? I think that I realize that I don't have much left. That if everything is gone then I think it's time to make this happen. And that means that this person is a stepping stone for me to get done what I need to get done. And so that means my premonition needs to happen, and I need to make it happen. Okay. So I say to her, well, I am a bit of a budding artist myself. Maybe you can stand over here. And allow me to sketch you, and I want to place her in that in the spot where my premonition was. All right, and I would like to use a point of preparedness to be able to have a, like sketchbook, a sketchbook and, and yeah. And I think that's well be think believable. You're a scientist; you probably have like yeah. of, often will have, have like a, a sketchbook and, and mm-hmm. a pencil. So she kind of blushes and smiles. And says, oh, of course! And she goes over to a spot that you point. And she kind of, like, gives you, like, a a pose. Okay. And then I will start to, like, kind of saying that. And um, almost, like, I want to kind of pull out my Dirk and have that in my left hand, like, on the sketchbook. Like, holding it up against so you can't see. And then my right hand, you know, drawing. So, unless you were right on top of me, you couldn't see that. Okay. And then kind of just be vigilant to see if something or someone is coming. You you feel it before you see it. You feel hungry. And you know that he is close. And then as well lit as the area kind of directly around the base of the Eiffel Tower is the area that you have for standing. That's kind of directly below the tower itself. Is shadowy. It's not dark per se, but it's shadowy enough that you see it's crisscrossed with the geometric shadows yeah, that are created by the different lights. That's what I just kind of imagine. There's yeah, like very crisscrossing geometric, hard slicing shadows everywhere. Exactly. So you see a figure approaching. Wait. He gets closer, and you begin to see his face. Can I get? I would like to not react. Okay. Can I make a stability check to do that? Yeah, I would give you stability uh, if you want, because I want I want to be able to remain. I, I know what's going to happen. I think I know what's going to happen, and I don't want to let her know that. Okay. Because I think that, in my mind, what is about to happen needs to happen so that I can obtain my my invention back. All right. And that if if I react in a way, I could change that. So All I right, I'm going to call that a uh, like. Because you're going to let what you think is going to happen, happen. I'm going to call that like, again, like a medium high. Okay. I'm going to use stability points for this roll. And All I'm right. going to use four of them. Alright. Roll that die. I rolled a one, so I have five for that. Alright. I think that's enough. That's uh, that's enough to you initially want to I guess whatever whatever small bit of of you is that is still human wants to yell out because you know what is about to happen but you stifle that down because you you have to have your quicksilver applicator back and you keep sketching and the figure gets closer and then there is the telltale hiss of the applicator a fog of silver wraps itself around her face. And she tries to scream. But it's so muffled. Because the quicksilver has begun to harden already. And instead, there's just this awful gagging sound as it works its way down her throat. And begins to form around her face. What do you do? I stand up. Is the, is the person who's doing this, is it their back to me? Their fronts to me? I'm assuming I
0: would say at this point... they on
1: the side. Like, um, what is their position to me?
0: Partially side, partially
1: back. They have kind of moved around her and are getting ready to like start spraying. Okay. So I want to try to move up to the the figure and I want to try to slash the arm that's holding the the device to try to have them drop it. Alright. So I can try to take it. This is going to be a scuffling roll. Scuffling. Alright. I think I will spend points in scuffling. Uh, this is a big, big one. I think this, this might be a pose. Yes. So this, this is an opposed roll. How many points did you spend in scuffling? I spent five.
0: All right. Give it a roll. All
1: right. Oh, oh. you mean it. how many am I going to put in now? Yes. Oh, I thought you meant like how many I took. Um, I was going to do three. All right. I rolled a four, so that gives me a seven. All right. All right. So roll a d6. Roll the two. Since that is I'm gonna call that a regular knife as a <clears throat> damage modifier of negative one. I think this is slightly nicer than that, so it'll be a zero, which means you did two points of damage. So you lash out with this knife and kind of cut across the back of the arm that's holding the gun. And this this person yells out and I think drops the gun. Or sorry, the applicator. Mm-hmm. I think I want to Try to push them away so that I have a chance to grab the invention and then get away. All right. The woman has dropped to her knees and she's choking and gagging and dying as this mercury forces its way down her throat. Is it just the way that I saw it? This is different, actually. Okay. It's different. Yes. That's the main thing I wanted to ask you. Alright, so you're going to try to push him away, so that's another scuffling. Yes, so I'm going to spend two. I rolled a six, so that's an eight. Alright, you push them away. Give me a, another d6 roll. I roll a four. Alright, so unarmed attacks have a minus two modifier, so that means you did two points of damage in your shove. So you shove this person away and move towards the applicator. Yes, and trying to pick it up. The person turns towards you as you are grabbing the applicator. In at f- first, Zenoly Benoit, and then it's, you never—you never saw him, but it, his face melts almost like Mercury and reforms, and it looks like Gustav from the description you got. And then it melts and reforms and it's the organist, and then it melts and reforms and it's someone else. And it just constantly shifts. Melts and reforms and it's Korra. And it melts and it's reforms and it's someone you've never seen before. I pick up the invention and I hold it up and I try to slowly back away. And then I realize there's evidence here that I need to take care of. Mm hmm. and reforms, and it's your face looking back at you. Melts and it reforms, and it's Monsignor C., the the priest from St. Barnaby's, who you remember, not what he looked like when you spoke to him in the confessional, but when you went there as a child, younger. Melts and it reforms, and it's the man that was selling baguettes. I suddenly have an idea. I know a way to make things solidify to become stable to bring back into law and order Mm -hmm. a simple way to remove the chaos I think I stand there in silence at the precipice of what I'm about to do and I engage the device
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and begin to spray. What are you spraying? My quarry, I'm spraying it with with my invention. That will that will stop his face from from turning over and over again and then it will just be the same. And then I can I can win. I can be I can be free of it. It can be defined and, and over. You spray it. It's not really a him or a her. You've seen both male and female faces on it. You spray it and it begins to solidify. It doesn't scream, it doesn't choke, it doesn't move. It just lets you spray it. And then it's standing there, this statue that is completely faceless. It has the lines and divots that a face would have sunken in eye sockets and nose. Kind of crease lines coming down from the nose area. There's no mouth. There's no eyes. The nose is just barely there. It is this faceless thing that doesn't show any emotion. It shows nothing but a blank canvas. And you're hungry. Very hungry. And then the camera fades to black.
0: Thank you to Sean for playing Fear Itself with me. The voice of Monsignor C was Benjamin Wallace of Pod of Love. Thank you to Robin D. Laws and Pelgrane Press for such a great game. Thank you also to Pelgrane Press for the review copy of The Yellow King. We'll be diving into that very soon. Finally, thank you to you for listening. Our theme song for This Will Make Sense Soon is Wasted Wonderland by Nicholas Gasparini. Check out all of Nicholas's incredible spooky piano music at thedarkpiano.com. Join us on February 27th for the first part of our King in Yellow campaign. And until then, remember that you are strong, you are beautiful, and you are not alone.